Hey, how's it going, everybody? We are back with another edition of the Ad Podcast today. And uh, we have a super exciting guest for you today. We have Emily Doskow, who is currently the Chief Marketing Officer of Leo Burnett within the Publicis family. And uh, I'm really excited to talk to Emily for a few reasons today. Uh, one is I'm really excited to dive into her background and really get her take on how agencies need to actually be drinking their own Kool-Aid and be really good marketers themselves. Uh, but most importantly, I'm going to get through her winning tear streak that she's had since rejoining Leo and uh, really get kind of some of the insights from her on why she thinks she's had uh, such an amazing run since coming back to Leo. Uh, so, Emily, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Great, glad to have you. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, awesome. So, yeah, so if we can maybe just kick off uh, walking through your background a little bit uh, from the research that I've done. It sounds like even back to the internship days, uh, maybe even working within the internal comms department at your university, uh, you've just been obsessed with the new business process since the minute you tasted blood. So um, I'm excited to maybe just have you walk us through some of those milestones. And I know you're also a boomerang uh, return uh, player at Leo as well. So maybe you can talk a little bit about that dynamic of coming back home to the mothership and how that uh, has played out to your advantage as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have been in the creative agency side of, of our business um, for my entire career. And as you said, I'd go back to even uh, the first day of college, I declared advertising as my major. Um, I loved the combination of creativity and art um, mixed with the science and business um, put all, you know, all kind of into one there. So for me, it was the perfect career and it's turned out to be uh, something I still love. Um, this is a love fun it. industry. You know, um, what we do is is entertainment on some level. And, um, you know, in order to have, I think, the energy and vibrancy that comes with it, we have to bring that, you know, every day to the jobs we do. So I, I still love this career and, and this industry. So pretty glad I chose it. Um, yeah. I went... Um, I went into, I did internships all the way through college and in every one of those, I ended up, and I think this happens to interns a lot, you end up working on the new business pitch, right? All hands on deck, everybody there late, you know, all those kinds of great things. And I, I, I got the taste of it way back then. And so I think all throughout my career, even when I was in account management, I always jumped into those kinds of things and ended up playing a role in that. And probably, um, you know, a good chunk into my career, I made that switch from uh, kind of the account side, uh, business side of the, of the game uh, into business development specifically and new business uh, being my focus. And uh, even when I, I, I made that switch at Burnett, um, when I was here, the my first tour of duty, and then I I, I went some other places to help do it there, uh, and then came back to like you said the mothership, Burnett. Like <laughs> being a Midwesterner, Burnett is is it's just the bullseye. It's the goal, um, and I love it. Um, so it, it's just it was so wonderful to be able to be back and then to kind of be in my dream job. Yeah, no, I love that. So. Uh... Well, cool. Well, I want to uh, jump right into your winning streak. Um, you know, some of the highlights that I jotted down were uh, Beam Suntory, Jim Beam, uh, Kashi, Dunkin' Donuts. Um, sadly, there was news. I came right back from the holiday to hear news that uh, 
an agency that we won't name today. Uh, the fact that you guys stole Duncan from them just put them on the chopping block to be the first agency to sold, sell out, be sold from another holding company to uh, a foreign conglomerate. So, um, you know, to their demise, and not that we want to gloat over that, but you've been on a pretty nice winning streak. Um, what is some of the secret sauce that you think you've brought in back to Leo to give them this just tremendous new uh, new win uh, streak that you've been yeah, on? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's been it's been such a fun streak, and every streak has an end, uh, or at least you know um, stops along you know so, somewhere along the game. But but that's but that's the nature of it. Um, but I've just been so uh, thrilled and honored and excited. I think by the streak we've had, we've had almost uh, twenty new business account wins, um, large account wins since um, in the last two years. So um, so it's it's gotten us some some great, um, great recognition, but more importantly, great, just great energy inside the agency because of that. So accounts like Duncan and Jim Beam, um, Tillamook, you know, even those those clients, there's some big, massive names in there, but there's also names of clients who are really starting to grow and become part of the national conversation in a way that those big mass brands we all know already are. Um, Leo Burnett's really well suited to bringing bringing those those um, kind of growing brands um, into that that big space. So um, so it's been it's been a lot of fun um, for me. Um, this kind of goes back a little bit to how I said this is a fun industry. But I think one of the most important things to the secret sauce is being able to bring energy and vibrancy and humanity to the pitch process itself. In this industry, we all know that pitching can be absolutely draining. It can take some of your very best talent and push them all the way to the limit. And I'll go so far as to mm. say that that's true of the client side as well. It's not just, you know, our side of, of the ball. They have to work with multiple agencies. They're guiding multiple teams along They're You know, it's draining on them, too. And so being able to look at this process, I'd love to be a part of and, and I'm already working with some organizations to try to bring around some evolution to that um, as an industry. But I think even in what's led to our streak and our win so far is it's taking a look at what how we can make sure that we are putting our humans and our people first and making sure that we're not we're not pushing them to their limits. We're not working until three o'clock in the morning anymore. It's just not what we're doing. Um, we're we're doing you know what's important to make sure that our people have the energy to bring the ideas um, that make that that give it a win. I love it. So, what are your thoughts on like uh, brands paying for the pitch? Like that that might happen at Leo on every pitch. We at my agency. We've only ever experienced it once in eight years where a brand actually gave us some money to do the pitch process, which was pretty fun. It was on uh, Jared's Jewelers on Signet, mm -hmm. and uh, we ended up winning a scope with them. Uh, and I, I was shocked that that was even a thing. But does uh, giving some money to the for the brands paying for the pitch, does that alleviate some of the stress or is it not really just because, yeah, it's nice to have a little money in the bank, but at the end of the day, you're still pushing your folks, you know, that are being billed normal hours on other accounts. Yeah, I'll answer that from my perspective of the seat I sit in now, but then more broadly as an industry. Sure. Um, 
you know, for us, the most important thing that it's in a pitch is the the value of the work we're bringing is huge at that point. You're doing months and months mm-hmm. worth of work in a very, very condensed timeline. I mean, sometimes a year of work in a two month time frame. You know, it's it it can be incredible. Um, and the value of what we're bringing oftentimes for these large AORs is truly a new brand platform soup to nuts. So there's there's major value in that. I don't think there's any fee um, pitch fee that could ever uh really value that properly. Um, that being said, I know what clients are trying to do and I do appreciate the, you know, the effort toward that. Um, the most important thing for us is that we retain ownership of our ideas. So we'll never participate in a pitch right. where, um, where we're exchanging those ideas for that fee. Um, if they'd like to give it to us to yeah. help us, you know, with some, with some out of pocket costs, great, but it's not going to be for our ideas. Um, so that's something that we really hold yeah. very, very solidly to. Um, but the other thing I'll say is, I, I think it's, I think it's one thing for me to say that sitting in an agency the size of Leo Burnett, I acknowledge that there's, you know, I've I've sat at smaller agencies where that fee can make the difference in being able to pitch as and and participate in some of those things. And so I, I think as long as you're retaining ownership, um, that's the most important thing um, in in that process. Yeah. No. Thank you for that insight. So, um, you know, when, when I started doing my research on you, um, I maybe just being a little, little bit ignorant of the creative agency pitch process because I've always worked at smaller shops, um, I was interested that your title as CMO was essentially leading the new business process for Leo. Is that true across most uh, agencies or does it sit with the chief growth officer, chief sales officer, chief revenue officer? Like, how does that, is that unique to your role or do you have a lot of colleagues that it sits kind of under that marketing uh, C-suite title? Uh, yeah. So I would say the um, the role of CMO hasn't always been in place at agencies f- for a long time. You know, it's on the relatively newer side, maybe in the past five to five or so years. Um, whether you're going to call it a CMO or a CGO, I do think that the 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 bulk of the focus of that role ends up being in, in business development, but that really crosses um, pitching for net new clients to the agency as well as organic growth of existing clients. Um, and then the other things that fall under my purview would be uh, PR and reputation of the agency because reputation and growth, you know, truly grow hand in hand in a, in a virtual circle there. And, um, and then also the narrative and positioning of the agency as a whole. Um, so that we're looking at how we compare with our competitive set, what's our, um, you know, our, our points of difference and making sure we're evolving any sort of capabilities, marketing those new capabilities um, so that we're keeping pace with where we would need to head in our, in our own community. So that, that's probably the kind of four sides to the job, the narrative, the, the reputation, um, the new business, uh, and I'm forgetting one. <laughs> Well, no, that that, that makes a lot of sense. So yes, you're leading the new business process, but you're also leading the overall brand identity and reputation. Um, You know, I think we'll get in a little bit to how you guys maybe are doing marketing a little bit different in a post-COVID world to be a little bit more pull versus push or by demonstrating your capabilities on your own platforms. Um, But I wanted to ask you about the dynamics of a pitch uh, coming out of COVID, um, you know, I, for 10 years of my career, used to jump on an airplane anytime a brand mm-hmm. said go. You know, the next day I was in Pittsburgh, 
the next day I was in a pitch in New York, you know, whatever, whatever it took, it was always in person. And it was always like jump on a plane. COVID obviously ground that all to a halt. You know, the, I, I had a half million dollar marketing budget that was spent on T&E, wining and dining clients, doing agency lunch and learns, uh, going to visit clients, going to conferences that all kind of went to nothing. And we had to reinvent our marketing to really pull clients into us versus uh, the old way, which was going out and trying to find them and meet them and stuff like that. Um, I'm wondering, has your uh, marketing and new business kind of structure changed uh, in COVID? Uh, obviously, it had for COVID, but how much of that has remained intact now that we're back in the quote unquote new normal? Well, you were busy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, we all are, right? Uh, this is, it's fascinating how much COVID changed so much, but also didn't. Because the funny thing about yeah. agencies is sometimes the cobbler's son has no shoes, you know? So we spent, there are people within the agency who, who are doing all of that, but yet it's funny how we apply so much of it to our clients and then don't necessarily put that same, I guess, pressure, you know, on kind of our push on doing it ourselves. And that's just, you know, I suppose that's just humanity. Um, I think that the biggest thing was being able to communicate and create the level of connections that are needed, both for our existing clients and our, new, you know, any sort of new clients we pitching that same chemistry through the screen. I mean, you and I are talking yeah. now and it's, you know, perfectly natural because we've been we've been doing this all for a while. But it it was really, really different for the level of dog and pony show that comes with any pitch. Right. To be able to do that on a screen. And I think for, a, for there was like a big shock at the, at the beginning of it. You know, of, can we really make a decision on how we're going to do this just in this way? Um, so I think yeah. that that was kind of the funny part. But then when you think about you know, the conferences and the meetings and all of the things that we were all, you know, that we were going out and doing, I think we just found new ways to do that on a personal level that wasn't on a big mass meeting, you know, seminar uh, and A&A conferences, all that kind of stuff. You know, we ended up finding ways to do that just in a more personal connection. So I found myself reconnecting on a one-on-one -on -one level with a lot of people that I otherwise would have arranged to probably do in a, you know, some joint settings. So, yeah. Setting. Yeah, that's cool. And then um, have the dynamics fully come back to where you guys are uh, flying out and meeting the client and doing the pitch with them at either their offices or they're coming to your office or are some pitches still done uh, over uh, telecommunication over video? I think uh, it's come back. I'm going to go with 70 percent. Um, and, that, and that's also true of, again, like the size of what we're pitching and, you know, what we do at Leo Burnett are some pretty large scale accounts just because of our size and scale. Um, because of that, there's probably more in person than there would be on, you know, some more projects and things. And we certainly work on projects. I think there's there's a shift in the industry going toward, um, you know, starting to work on a bit more of a, you know, more of a project basis and projects that can grow into those more total relationships. So I think that I really think that it's you know, that it's, it's evolving, um, a, a lot. Um, and so that, so that they're, we're not, we're not necessarily just doing it one way anymore. Nice. So, um, I want to get, and I think, uh, this, uh, is kind of interesting. It talks a little bit, I think, to your dynamic of being a quote unquote boomerang hire in your mm -hmm. current role. Um, so in ad age, you said, um, you need to follow people who inspire you rather than following a job or a brand. 
Um, can you elaborate on this a little bit and how does that apply to you being back at Leo? Yeah, um, my my whole, I think I, so I started my career on and on some accounts that were maybe not the sexiest accounts in the world. Um, I grew up in Nebraska. I started working at an, at an agency in Nebraska on some agricultural uh, products mm -hmm. and accounts. And I, I, if those people are listening, I hope uh, they are still my friends to this day. And I still love some of those accounts, but I think I learned really quickly that it's not necessarily the account or even the job sometimes even the agency name. It's the people you spend your time with. It's the people you're stuck in the airport with. It's, you know, and it's, it's, we spend so much of our lives in this crazy industry. We all work crazy hours and um, it's just what we do that, you know, I spend more time with them than my family sometimes. And so I just think that, you know, number one, it's about surrounding yourself with people that bring you energy um, that, that is deserving of this industry. And then also um, the people that you're learning and inspired from and that you can contribute, you know, learning and coaching to. And so for me, it's just it all comes down to the people. Um, and I think we can bring the same level of excitement to um, erosion control products like I was doing in the beginning of my career all the way to, you know, Coca-Cola and Duncan and everything else like I'm like I'm doing um, later in my career. I love it. Um, you know, someone who, uh, who has come on the podcast, uh, many years ago is Rashad Tabakawala. So, yeah. um, you know, that's somebody who I think of who is just such an insightful guy that you must've had some contact with and has, uh, been a bit of, uh, one of those anchor folks that maybe we're excited to, I know he's not there anymore, but I hear he's still, you know, still lurking yeah, oh, yeah. somewhere. <laughs> Absolutely around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. All right. Um, I want to uh, tap into um, something you just touched on, which is mentorship. And, uh, you know, you seem like someone who's dedicated the time and energy to really foster females careers in the industry uh, through organizations like She Runs It, the Chicago Advertising Federation, the Executive Club of Chicago and uh, the Off the Street Club. Um, can you talk about specifically why it's important for uh, female advertising executives to mentor and support each other. Yeah, um, I I think um, I think being a, a female in this in this business um, in, in, in any business, to be honest, is is um, we you know looking for opportunities to support each other and grow and see more females in uh, the high ranks of of leadership and all the way to to boards uh, and that kind of thing is just something that's always been um, just personally at, at my heart. Um, I see so so many folks with so much uh, potential and momentum. Um, and I just want, I want to be a part of nurturing that. I think it's funny because of the being a boomerang, I think too, you have this really unique perspective of who you were when you were here first mm -hmm. and then who you are when you came back and then seeing the possibility of some, you know, of being able to pass that on. You kind of look at, I think I look at it as a, almost a passing the baton in some way, like some, someone else is going to be in these very shoes. And so I just have always kind of looked at that um, with that mentality. And it's funny too, being in an agency like Leah Burnett, I mean, we're 88 years old and you have this sense, I think, in being in an agency like that of upholding kind of a legacy 
um, you know, thinking about the people of the past and then thinking about like, you know, how that translates to the future. And so there's just always been this idea of like, again, it comes down to the people and it comes down to giving it back um, and passing it along so that that legacy kind of continues. Yeah. Um, I, I've been a part of so many organizations. I've always made it a part of, of, um, of having, you know, having mentors. I've uh, been a part of our internal ERG for women here at the agency and spoken to that group. And it just um, brings me a lot of joy to be able to do that. I love it. Um, do you think the dynamics in a post-COVID agency world where people were hired out of state, people were hired in a work from home capacity or now a flexible hybrid model, do you think that is uh, gone enough of the way to support female executives who maybe also want to have a family at the same time and have a little bit more work-life balance? No, I don't think it has. Yeah. I don't. Um, I, I think, I think we're all on the right path. I just think there's so much more to do. It is a tough, it is a tough road. And having two kids of my own, I have a, um, an eight-year-old boy and a five-year-old girl. Um, and it's a, it's, it's an incredibly, incredibly busy life. Um, and I, I just, I, I want to be able to help other women look at how we, just how, how you can't maintain the same level and you have to find balances in your own way. Um, and I think there's just so much more we can do to help that. Um, everything from, you know, elongated maternity leaves and, and paternity leaves, um, you know, through to support when you return um, and, and what that's like. Um, you know, the United States is certainly not up to up to par with uh, some of some of the rest of the world there. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Like tech industries and and really male dominated industries, finance world. You know, they're they're jumping, I think, ahead as well because they have to and they need to um, to keep that female talent. Um, we have a we're a little more lax in our industry because we have that more natural balance, and we've we've got to we've got to jump there too. Yeah, no, great insight. You know, my wife was a Omnicom executive and carried the water for me when I was young, trying to be more entrepreneurial was the breadwinner. And then finally, when we had kids, I had kind of solidified my role uh, in the industry and could support both of us. But not every family is that lucky. And it's yeah. not really, um, you know, fair of me to ask her to give up her career. You know, that was something that she chose to do. But I know um, I hate that parents even have to be put in that position. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's my husband works full time in a demanding career and I do as well. Um, and that's our choice. You know, it is. But it is. It's wild mm -hmm. to do it all. Um, yeah. and, you know, travel and things like that, like the, the amount that I need to be on the road and doing all those things that you were talking about earlier, especially when it comes to business development, the conferences, the events, the meetings, um, that's all come back in, in a, in a big way. Like I said, 70% even, and maybe more. And I think that there's finding ways to do that as we you know, while raising a family is, is really complicated. Yeah, for sure. Well, we'll keep working on it, I suppose. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Nice. Um, I want to I want to pivot back to something that you touched on, uh, which is the client pitch, pitch process. Um, you've talked a bit in interviews about how the new business process really needs to change completely. Um, clients expect a lot; they don't want to pay for it. It burns people out. Um, what do you think is the number one thing that we could focus on this year to start to fix the traditional pitch process? Mm, number one thing this year, huh? Well, 
I think the the simplest things we that can be done is to give agencies. I'll speak from my perspective here because I I I I fully realize I have not sat on the client side of of the world, but. I think the simplest thing to be done is to give give the proper time and space to do the work that there that is being asked. So I I you know if we we we're in a world where we're very good at competing with one another, <laughs> and I think we even like it a little bit. But I I would I would just love to be able to to not push people to their limits in that process mm. um, and to get the best work out of it that you can run from with clients. You know, gone are the days I th think, or should be gone are the days that the pitch is an exercise, you know, that the mm -hmm. pitch is a, 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 a playful space where we can all burn people limit and then start, start fresh when we win it together. You know, this really has to be with an end in mind and to be able to like hit the ground running together. Should we be so lucky as to reach that? So, so I'd love to be able to, to really um, decide what it is that's needed to make a decision in a pitch, focus on that, have us pitch that, and then run with it. And there's going to be a ton more that we figure out in the process of working together, right? We'll get to future projects and future capabilities and all those things. But what does it take to look each other in the eye and trust that you're starting a partnership, starting a partnership? Yeah, I really love that. I love that idea that the pitch not just be this performative thing where we are showing our street cred and puffing up our feathers, but it's really with an end goal in mind that you're actually going to maybe take some of those ideas and execute on them versus um, just kind of, you know, that performative component. I think that's super smart. And uh, there was something else that I really loved that, that you mentioned in a follow-up question in that same interview. Uh, maybe the idea of having a round of the pitch be boiled down to a chemistry component. Uh, maybe you just go out to dinner yeah. with all the different teams and see if the relational equity fit and the, uh, you know, I mean, some of my best clients, um, you know, we became really close friends because we like, we had a shared passion for cigars and our wives are friends and our kids play together when we go on trips and stuff like that. Um, the chemistry component is so important because <laughs> you're with these all the time and hopefully they're people you want to spend time with outside of the office if that if you're so lucky you know yeah well the fact of the matter is anybody we're all we've all reached the final stages of those negotiations and conversations because we can all put on a show we can and we can frankly all do probably great marketing for that client you know every single finalist in the room is there because they've made it there of their own merit I think when for clients to think about how am I actually going to choose between these three great choices? Some of that, I would love for more clients to treat it less formally as, you know, a, we have to keep it fair and we can only talk this many times and all of those kinds of things to just say, what does it feel like? What does it feel like to talk to each other? You know, and that's just as important when you can dial, pick up the phone and dial your client and have an off the cuff conversation or have a conversation over dinner because Again, this is a creative industry. Ideas and thoughts don't come to us because we planned an hour of time to sit in a meeting and say, this is what we're going to come out of it. This is creative. This comes to us as it comes to us. Like it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a messy process. And so let's be messy together and 
let's make that part of why we choose each other um, because we're partners, we're business partners. You know, we're not just kind of executing a plan or creating a television spot or a, you know, digital app, you know? Yeah, for sure. I know my best campaigns and best collaborations were, you know, sitting with a client over a steak dinner in Morton's at Comic-Con in San Diego, you know, just happening to be there for an activation and we're planning on coming up with ideas at that moment, but that's what happened, you know? Yeah. So I love, I love that idea. Absolutely. I feel like I'm preaching. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, I think uh, we have a very similar approach to new business. You know, you being light years ahead of where I am in my career as a chief, uh, chief revenue officer at smaller shops that, you know, um, don't really even touch the scale of what you've been able to accomplish and the brands that you've worked with. Um, although we've worked with some pretty exciting brands too, you know, Adobe, Jeep, Fiat Chrysler, uh, Hallmark Channel, AT&T. But um, at the end of the day, I think it's the same uh, base principles of sales and new business that, you know, make either of us successful in our own individual world. So I love everything that you've said today and what I've uh, learned from you studying uh, for this, the background on this as well. Yeah. So, well, absolutely. And I've, I've, um, I've had the chance to work at some, you know, a boutique design firm, you know, outside of the holding company world. And, and like I said, started my career at a, at a, at a much smaller agency, but truly we're all doing the same thing. And I think have the same appreciation and, and drive behind what we do. Um, and it's, I, I really also believe there are times when we all look at our, our capabilities and they all sound a little similar, right? But mm -hmm. I also really firmly believe that there there is an agency and there is a relationship that's right for every situation too. So I refer a lot even beyond and outside our walls um, to wow. because because it's not always just I, everything's right for us or that we should do it. I, I really, you know, and that goes all the way to boutique firms of, of connections and things that I have all the way up to partners within Publicis Group. But I always mm -hmm. really, truly try to direct clients to where that's they're really going to get what's right for them at the moment. Yeah, no, I'm the same way. And I think, you know, if you facilitate that successful connection, even though you don't get the business, then every time those clients work together, they remember who put them in the same room, right? Absolutely. I mean, some of my favorite calls are the ones you get from a prospect that I talked to two years ago. And they're calling back because, you know, oh, thank you so much. We, we did work with so-and-so for a while. We've evolved. Now I'm someplace else. And I'm calling you back again because of that. And okay. I haven't talked to him in two years. So uh, that's really fun. I love that. So I wanted to ask you a little bit of what the process is to put together a team for a new business pitch inside of a holding company, uh, creative agency, AOR pitch. So do you get to go out in the agency and just recruit whoever you want, whatever experts, whatever vertical specialists, uh, whatever creative folks based on the awards that they've won or the work that you're familiar with? Um, is it based off category experience? Like what is it? What, give us a little bit of a look behind the scenes of what it's like to put together that internal dream team to pitch on new business. And what kind of brevity do you have as the CMO to go and build that team out? Yeah, I get exactly who I want every pitch. No, I'm kidding. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, the toughest, I mean, casting the pitch is probably um, one of the most important um I think he's to winning is casting it properly. And the funny thing is you're casting it before you know enough to know enough about what's right. So that's, mm -hmm. that's also the riskiest part. Um, I, the, 
there are not in agency lands, there are not um, extra folks lying around without, uh, you know, busy things to do. You know, we're not consultants. We don't have a full yep. bench of people that are, you know, open and available. So because of that, it that's what makes it so complex. And I know every agency feels that. Um, but, but I do believe that if you don't have the right people, if we can't move something off their plate to be able to work on the pitch because they're the right one for it, um, we can't pitch or at least we should mm. give it some really serious thought. Um, because even though we may want to, and even though we may believe it's the right client, it just may not be the right time for us. Um, wow. So that's that's one of the hardest things to do is walk away. But I also think that's one of the keys to what's been our success over the past couple of years is being really selective and honest about you know whether we're in the right place to, to pitch something or not. I love that. You know, it's... Uh... Something that we've gotten a little bit more uh, strategic around of actually turning down business, mm -hmm. you know, as a young agency trying to grow and make, uh, you know, build top line and get the um, get the attention of potential maybe suitors, et cetera. You know, we just kind of went after everything, but we had a downsizing after losing a big account last year. So now by demand, we have to say no to things that are going to be too much, uh, too much work and not enough profit for the agency. And it's actually been a empowering process to be actually be able to turn down stuff for the first time. Yeah. You know, and I think for agency talent too, um, it helps them sometimes to know that, uh, it, to know that we've mm -hmm. been so selective about it and that they're not being called to step, you know, into some late night still and some, you know, some intensity above and beyond their day job um, to be able to come in and, and be part of a pitch team. I mean, it's it's an honor to be able to be selected to do that, but it's also a lot um, to ask of people, especially if they're they've got families and they've got, you know, other things in their lives. And so I think that it's got to be something that's not taken it's just not taken lightly at all. Um, and yeah, I, it's, it's very, very hard to, to, to always get exactly who you want on that, but it's a big, uh, it's a big task of, that I work with our whole leadership team on doing, um, and making sure that we're really holding hands before we go in. I love it. So um, I want to dive in briefly to my agency's area of expertise, which is the creator economy, influencer marketing. Uh, we are fortunate enough to get to work with brands like Stellantis, uh, which was formerly FCA through Starcom. Uh, we do a bit of work with Razorfish. We do a bit of work with Digitas. So we're very fortunate to be able to work inside of the Publicis family and partner up with, uh, with other agencies within your network. Um, I was curious to how important the creator economy influencer ambassador component is becoming to most new business pitches that you guys get RFP'd for uh, these days. Is it part of every conversation? Um, what is kind of the current state of creator economy and influencer marketing being a, a part of new business pitches yeah. that you're a part of? I think it's huge. I think it's um, it's a reality of the world where it is now and, and where it's headed. Um, you know, we have we have work that that comes into the agency that is focused on on uh, influencer marketing and and that kind of approach. Especially if uh, you know it's not a product or a brand doesn't have the size and scale that they may be able to do like a more, you know, more traditional, massive, you know, campaign. So it's, it's, you're able to work really hard and get some really amazing fame driven from, you know, what can be a, a 
what can be really an influencer-led approach. So I think it's huge. Um, I do think clients don't use the word, they sometimes don't use the word as directly, um, you know, to kind of forwardly say, this is what we're talking about. But I think our approach too is that the brands are are not, especially with, you know, Gen Z and I think going forward, they're not owned by themselves. The best marketers in the room are, are Gen Z. Um, the, be the best, you know, the best marketers of your product to are influencers. So we have to work in that world and that has to be part of what you plan for as your brand. Um, so it's something that we bring forward whether clients ask for it or not. I love it. That's awesome. All right. Well, we're getting down to uh, the home stretch here. Yeah. So what are you most excited about? Uh, it's a new year. It's 2020 more. You know, what are you excited about getting after? <laughs> what are you excited about getting after it, uh, at Leo and the future of uh, Leo, uh, say, for the coming new year? Yeah, I I'm super excited. I mean, I'm excited for it all. I am super excited specifically for um, I think one of the things Leo Burnett is has been known for for a long time is CPG work. And so I'm really excited by um, how we're starting to really expand our portfolio and and really become, I think, known for, for more than maybe what's always been seen in the past um, by the agency. Um, I'm also really excited for, we're, we're, we're evolving and working on our, our positioning um, and how we talk about ourselves and the brands and the clients that we're right for. Um, you know, Leo Burnett is an agency that has always been about um, mass culture, um, the brand products that and brands that are kind of for the people of the people. And it's not, we're not ever going to be an agency that works kind of at the fringes of culture. We're like in the cultural fabric you know, and so I think that that's something that um, I'd, I'm really excited to be able to kind of push and evolve the way we talk about ourselves and then hopefully see that show up in the way that we we work with some clients um, to be able to to see, you know, it's those kinds of things that you can really see take shape um, and evolve over the years. So I'm, I'm really excited about that in terms of the work we're doing. Um, and then as an industry, I'm, I'm excited to take part in some of the conversations around evolving this pitching world, uh, you know, working together mm. with with you and with other agencies and with agencies I'm competing head to head with on a regular basis. I'm part of, you know, the Forays National New Business Council. And, you know, we're really working together. And it's funny, a lot of us only see each other passing, you know, passing in the halls in between pitch meetings um, with clients. And now I'm getting to work really closely together with some of them to be able to talk about what do we want? You know, what would we suggest? What ideas do we have? And so that's been really fun too. And I'm excited about being part of that as, a, as we think about just the future of the industry. That's awesome. Well, I'm excited to see how you have an impact on those conversations. I'm sure it will make our all of our dear and better and more fulfilling. Let's hope. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I'm also excited to uh, see you continue the win streak. So uh, yeah. So thank you, Emily. Thanks so much for coming on the show today. It's really been a pleasure to uh, get to learn about you through doing my research, but more importantly today, uh, the conversation that we were able to have. So thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was really wonderful to meet you and to spend this time together. I love it. So awesome. Well, for those of you who are tuning in at home, if you enjoyed this podcast and my conversation with Emily today, don't forget to subscribe or follow us on whatever social media slash podcasting platform that you're listening today. Uh, if you were so kind to give us a review, and then that's a positive review, 
Uh, that helps us find a larger audience inside of the podcasting world. So don't forget to do that if you feel so inclined. And most importantly, if there's somebody inside of your professional network that would benefit from the conversation that I had with Emily today, I would encourage you to go ahead and share that. So with that being said, Emily, anything else that you want to plug or let anybody know how to find you, how to connect? You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, you can always find all of uh, Leo Burnett's information on our website. And um, Happy New Year to everyone. All right. Awesome. Well, we'll see you out there in the trenches, Emily. All right. Bye-bye.